0: Well, good morning, New Life family. How's everybody doing today? Good morning.
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Another great Sunday we have in store for us today. In Jesus' name, I'm Eric, and this is my wonderful wife, Diane. I just want to welcome everybody to another wonderful Sunday service. Hi to everybody uh, watching on the patio and to everybody else who's watching online. If you're new here, if it's your first time here, we encourage you that after service, to stop by Connection Central. We have two booths in, on both sides of the lobby, and we have a Connection Central booth outside on the patio. We'd love to get to know you better. And we even have a gift for you. And if you've been attending New Life for a little while and you want to, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit has been tugging in your heart to get into a service, um, you can stop by Connection Central as well and see the many ways you can get plugged in.
1: Yes, and a couple other ways to get plugged in, Um, this coming Wednesday is the last Wednesday class Mm. and um, I hear it's on communication and relationships and I heard that they're going to be serving enchiladas, so that is a really good thing. (laughs) I'm hungry already. we would like you to register online so we have enough enchiladas and enough chairs for everybody yeah get there Um, before i get there you can also register at the connection central booth or you can just go there to ask any questions um another fun thing is um bible journaling so um i'm putting the plug in for that because that's coming today that's today this afternoon Ask me if you want to know about it or ask the Connection Central people, okay? And also just check your bulletin. There's a ton of great activities coming up, classes for all ages, um, workshops, meetings, everything, okay?
0: Yeah, now I am. So how many of you guys are so happy that the sun is finally out and shining? We've had a beautiful weekend already, right, guys? So one of the things that I like to do that when the sun is out and, and blue skies is I like to have the family pack up the bikes in the back of the truck and we go out and do the Bob Jones trail right out to, to, the, to, uh, to Avila Beach. So if you're able, let's stand and prepare our hearts for worship and turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, especially if it's somebody that you haven't met before, what is your favorite thing to do when the sun is out?
2: church can I have us do something together real quick as we open up our time in worship this morning we're just going to open this set with this song called all who are thirsty and we're going to finish this worship set with this song called all who are thirsty the chorus is simply come Lord Jesus come and to talk about that idea of Maranatha again we're just saying God to all of those who are broken to all of those who are weary to all of those who are lost and hurting come Lord Jesus come So this morning, would you just open your hands to receive just this blessing? Father God, we ask for a blessing. We ask for a fresh downpouring of your living water. Jesus, in John chapter four, you speak to the Samaritan woman at the well and you tell her that those who drink of you will never become thirsty again, God. Just give us fresh revelation of what that means. This morning, God, help us to understand it more fully and help us to grasp it more fully. God, you promise good things for your people. And so we've come expectant this morning, and we just ask that our worship would be pleasing to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: And all who are thirsty. All who are weak, come to the fountain, dip your heart in the streams of life. Let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of His mercy. Let's just declare this as deep cries out to deep the church sings we sing come You God, and when all I see is the cross, and God, you see the end.
4: morning.
2: In First uh, Kings chapter 6, Solomon is building the temple, and it's, it says uh, in verse 11, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this temple. Uh, the Lord gave him these instructions. You are building. Uh, it says concerning this temple you are building. If you keep all of my decrees and regulations and obey my commands, I will fulfill through you, the promise I made to your father, David. I will live among the Israelites and will never abandon my people." In my version, I've got the NRSV. It says, the word of the Lord came to Solomon. And I wanna focus on a couple of things in regard to the Lord's instructions of building the temple, the physical thing that was in Jerusalem. And I just wanna make a comparison to our own hearts, how we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So this was the instruction of the Lord. If you will walk in my statutes in the process of building, If you will obey my ordinances and keep my commands in the process of building by walking in them, then I will establish my promise with you, which I made to your father, David. I will dwell among the children of Israel and I will not forsake my people of Israel. And so in our worship this morning, during the songs that we're singing, during the sermon when we're hearing, would we just be obedient to this idea of of in the process of of building this thing, this, this space that the Holy Spirit wants to occupy within our hearts, would we just walk in his statutes this morning? Would we obey his ordinances and keep his commands so that he would walk with us, so that he would walk in his promise, so that he would dwell in us and so that he would not forsake us this morning? Throughout this journey in this prayer series as we're as we're getting ready for Easter in this Lenten season, we are waiting with our hands open saying, what are you going to do, God? What are you doing in our midst? And what do you wanna do in us? And Lord, we're just asking that you would help us to be obedient, to keep your commands as you are chiseling away that which was, so that you can reveal that which you will occupy, God. As we sing this next song, Lord, would we remember that when we're worshiping, you're hearing faith, God. When we're praying, you're hearing praise and faith. God, thank you for examining our hearts, Lord, in this journey and in this process. We humbly bow at your feet right now and give you all the honor and all the worship that you are due. Let's just prepare our hearts as we continue in this time of worship.
5: Just as David did, sometimes, sometimes we have to command our soul to praise, to not be led by our emotions, to not be led by our circumstances, but to give the Lord everything, because sometimes we don't feel it but worship should never be based upon what we're feeling. And that's what I love about this song, it just declares, awake my soul, bless the Lord. Do you see how good He is? So we're gonna sing this bridge and I just want you to think upon the power of Jesus and the beauty that He brings into our lives, amen.
3: everything my god you are my god holy is the lord holy is the lord almighty seated on the throne seated on the throne of glory high and lifted up your presence fills the temple when we worship you oh
5: voice is sweet to the Lord. Your worship is beautiful to the Lord. Let's just sing this chorus out together and worship to the Lord. worship. He's seated on the throne of glory. High and lifted up. Your presence
3: power that you do. As we acknowledge your power this morning, we give you the glory, Lord. We just worship you and worship you alone as we sing, come. And come, Lord, Jesus. the fountain
5: his arms are open
3: tip your heart in the streams of, of life let the pain and the sorrow Everything, yeah. be washed away his yoke is easy in the waves of his mercy deep cries out too deep we sing come
6: God, we just want to continue. Come, Lord Jesus, come. God, just fill this place with your spirit. We invite you in, God. And I just want to lift up um, family members that are in the hospital this morning, God. And um, God, would you just come to them, God, with your will, your best, God, your love. May they just feel you, God. And we just lift up their family members, God that are here today, that they would feel your peace, God. Would you just come? God, those that are here today with a broken heart are wondering why they are here, God. Would you just fill them up, God, with your love, your peace, your grace, God. Would they know that you love them, God? That you have them in the palm of your hand, God. We love you, we give you this morning, Jesus. In your name, amen. And you may be seated. and um, We're just going to continue with our worship this morning. And I'd like to invite the ushers forward uh, to receive the offering. And, you know, when you give here at New Life, God doesn't just bless us here locally as our local church. We are part of a huge, I was going to use the word humongous. I don't know if that's a word, but a huge Nazarene worldwide church. And um, which we get to be part of the amazing things that he is doing. And this morning, you're going to hear a little bit. We have John Moore here from our Nazarene Global Ministries that is going to be sharing what God is doing. So we just thank you. And here is our local New Life family. We are getting ready for Easter And like I said a couple weeks ago, it is like we are hosting an open house where we are inviting people in to encounter Jesus. And we want to be ready for that. And um, if you would like to serve, you know... Hopefully, I haven't thrown all these cards at you, um, but join the Easter crew, and we would love for you to be part, and we have lots of ideas. You know me. I always have ideas on how you can serve, but would you come to one of our connection counters and just see how you can be part, and we would love for you to do it grab some of our invite cards and invite your friends, neighbors, people that you have been praying for, people whose names are down here. We would love for you to invite them to come and encounter Jesus. Jesus. And you may be wondering why I'm wearing my baptism shirt a week early. I did know baptisms weren't today, but I was so excited because I love Celebration Sunday and that is next week. And we are going to have child dedications and hear from our kids and so many different things, but we are going to have baptisms. And, um, if you, if God is calling you, if you feel Him at all calling you to be baptized today after our service, we are going to be having just a brief time of meeting, of sharing what that's going to look like. We are going to pray. So again, if you, you can stand at the back of the room at the meeting, but if you are feeling nudged at all, would you come? And we are going to be meeting in room LC2, which you can ask on the patio. They will take you up there. It'll be for about 15 minutes. But we are just going to just talk about what God is going to have and be doing next week. And would you be praying for the people that are going to be baptized next week? So along with our sermon series on prayer, we have been led each week in our Lord's Prayer. And the Beach family is going to be leading us this morning. who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as, <laughs> as we have forgiven those who regret the temptation deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever,
7: amen. Amen, amen. So it's so good to move from the scattered community to the gathered community. And I'm glad that we have gathered in this space in order to lean into the presence of God. Uh, Thank you for those who are joining us online and on the patio, and we have been in this series over the last several weeks on the Lord's Prayer, and so if you have your Bibles, um, I don't want you to turn to the book of Luke today. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew. Again, as I've mentioned a couple different times, we find the Lord's Prayer both in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is in the New Testament, or the second half of the Bible. It is uh, the very first book in the New Testament, and it's one of the Gospels where we we learn and we read read about the life teaching death and and the resurrection of Jesus who wasn't just a prophet and he wasn't just a teacher. He is the son of God. And so when Jesus begins teaching us stuff we've got to lean in and say okay Jesus understands what it is like to, to be not only fully God, but also fully human and how to have communication and how to have intimacy with the Father. And it's one of the things that we learn. And I think one of the challenges that we can have when it comes to this idea of prayer is why pray? Like, like so many of us, we talked about this a little bit in week one. Why do we actually Pray. Like, what are the reasons why we pray? How how do we develop um, this, this idea of intimacy? And how do we lean into this? And why is it even something that we do? And, and Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And the answer to the question of why we pray is actually found when we begin to lean into how he teaches us to pray. So Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9 and moving through 19, says this: this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So in Matthew's telling of this particular portion of Jesus's ministry, one of the things that you discover is it's right smack dab in the middle of what is re- referred to as Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And so you find in chapters um, 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is doing some significant teaching. And what we are were told or we talked about in week one is that the Lord's Prayer is not just simply a um, reciting of words, but it's actually an outline for understanding what God is doing an outline for understanding the kingdom of God. And so when we pray into this prayer, we literally are praying into the framework of the kingdom of God. We are literally praying into this idea that we get to participate in the kingdom of God. And that word participation, we're gonna circle back to that in a little bit, but that is so key for us understanding prayer. You see, when when we pray, Many of us have a concept of prayer that is kind of the active voice, meaning, like, why do I pray if God is just going to be the primary actor in everything, right? We, we have this idea, and we understand active voice, right? We understand that. If you go back, I know some of you are like, English class. I didn't come for English class, Pastor. But, but stay with me for a moment. This idea of active voice means that the subject actually does the action, right? And so we understand active voice. So if I would say, you know, David picked up his Bible, David is the subject, the action is that he picked up the Bible, and so that is active voice. We pretty much understand that in our culture. We also understand passive voice, meaning action is done to us. Right, action is done to us, so um, we 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 understand that portion. What we don't have in the English language that you actually find in the Greek language is the middle voice. Some of you are like, I didn't learn that in English class, right? No, you didn't, because in the Greek, you have what's referred to as the middle voice, not just the passive voice, not just the active voice, but the middle voice. And pastor U- and theologian Eugene Peterson actually reminds us of the significance of the middle voice, because it is in the middle voice that we really begin to understand how we participate in prayer. Because in the middle voice, we get to join in on action that has already begun. Let me say that again. In the middle voice, we get to join in on the action that has already begun. So God is the primary actor and initiator of action, and he invites us into a relationship with him and participation in this world. And this is what you need to know. If you, if you have never heard this before, if this is new to you, that's quite all right. I want you to understand something this morning. You were designed for participation, Can you turn to someone near you and say that? You were designed for participation. Now here's what you weren't designed for. You weren't designed to be the primary actor. That's actually a falsehood that our culture teaches quite often is this idea that the world revolves around us that somehow we are the primary actor. We are the ones that initiate everything. It's all about my destiny and who I am and what I do. So many times we fall into that trap of thinking that life is all about us. But also we weren't designed to just have things done to us. God is not just some you know puppet master in the sky who is kind of pulling all of the strings. He actually is the one who initiates the action and then invites us into what he is doing. So let's take a look at this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to do, we were in the very first book of the New Testament, or the second half of the Bible. Now I want you to flip back and we're gonna be in the very first book of the Old Testament or the first half of the Bible. And we're gonna be in the book of Genesis chapter one, verse 26 is where we're gonna start. Verse 26 is where we're gonna start. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So what's happening here? God says, let us initiate the action and make humanity in our image and let them rule over. We have responsibility then. He creates humanity to have dominion or rule in his creation. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, again, God's action, he created male and female, he created humanity, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, right? So we again, God has the initiating action and then invites us into this co-creator relationship with him. And I would suggest this. When we read, be fruitful and multiply, sometimes we limit that language only to procreation. But if you begin to read throughout scripture what you realize, that God has created you to participate with him in creating things that are good and beautiful and What we understand in the New Testament is to be a part of helping to have thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To bring the kingdom, to usher in the kingdom of heaven into the kingdoms of earth. It says this, um, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, that, said this, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that, is fr- with, um, that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant For food, and it was so. And it was so. So, God has invited us to participate with him. We were designed for participation. But if you have been at New Life very long, you know that things were like really good for two chapters in the Bible. And then chapter three happens. And when chapter three happens, we do what we want and when we want and how we want and that distorts everything. And so one of the challenges that we face is that while we were designed for participation and we were designed to participate in that middle voice where God initiates the action, and then invites us to participate with him in the results of that action, we distort things and we become passive bystanders. We distort things and think that the action is all upon us. And this happens in two spectrums. In one spectrum, we look at the world where there is sin and brokenness, and we say, I've got to do something about this. And we assume that it's all up to us. On the other end of the spectrum, we go to God in prayer and say, God, there's nothing that any of us can do, and there's nothing, and we're just going to sit by, and God, you have to do everything. And God says, I don't want you to be the main actors in this story, and I don't want you to be passive uh, passive in this story. I want you to be participators in the story, trusting that I am moving and join me in what I am doing. This is important stuff because one of the reasons why we don't pray is we're like, well, why would I pray? Like God's gonna, you know, kind of, he does it all. Why would I pray? There's nothing that I can do. There's no participation that's going on. God has invited you to be a part of what he is doing. Think of it this way. God's activity is like a current. If you've ever Kayaked or canoeed in a river. Kayaking's fun because you're kind of on your own. Canoeing's not so fun, especially if you got another person with you. <laughs> Unless you're really skilled, you want some you, you, you want some major insight into your friendships or your marriage or something of that nature, go canoeing. You'll find out really quickly where the flaws are, right? But one of the things that's fascinating about uh, canoeing or kayaking a river is that you know when you when there is no when it feels like there's no current going on. If you're just like on a, a on a, a pond, a small pond, and there's no current, you're kind of doing all the work and you're kind of spinning around, usually pretty good, and, and you're doing that sort of thing. But when you get on a river and there's current, all of a sudden you realize this current's going to take me this particular direction. My goal is not to end in the end up in the bank right and if I just kind of keep myself in the middle of this current I'm going to go this direction now if you don't do anything again your canoe might start to turn and end up in the bank and then you're stuck or you might go over where it's really low and all of a sudden you're saying you got to get out and you've got to kind of move that across there so there's participation in that way And so what we understand when it comes to God's activity is God's activity is moving in a particular direction. That direction is establishing the kingdom of God. See, sometimes we get into the minute details and like, oh man, we gotta figure out kind of the, the hidden agenda that God, God has told us what his agenda is, that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the direction. Now we have to ask ourselves, how do we get in tune or how do we get uh, participate and get into the flow of that particular current? In fact, the whole reason that my wife and my family are here at New Life Is because God invited us into his current. I didn't want to get into that current. Really honest. People are like, you're telling me that you wanted to stay in Detroit, Michigan and not come to Pismo Beach, California. (laughs) That is exactly what I'm telling you. In fact... When Brother Terry and the board reached out to me, and some of you know this story, but I, I think it's relevant for today's message. Um, when they reached out to me, my first reaction was, no, thank you. I, th- there was no reason, I'm like, God is moving here. Like, why would I? Why in the world would I leave behind friends and family and all of these things? And so I told him no, and then I talked to Dana, and I said, Dana, I didn't even pray about it. I just made the decision that we were not going to California. And the Holy Spirit began to nudge me a little bit. And I said, okay, God, I will pray. I will pray, <laughs> right? Like, you know, you know how it is, right? Yeah. I'll, 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 okay, I hear you, God, right? And, and I said, all right, God, if you're gonna do this, Here are five things that need to happen for me to actually listen, (laughs) literally. And God said, all right, I'll do that one, and I'll do that one, and I'll do that one, and I'll do that one. And all of a sudden, I realized something, and Dana realized something, and our family realized, we said, the current is going this direction. And we can either go with the current or we can try to paddle upstream. But if we try to paddle upstream, it's gonna get really frustrating. In fact, I actually said it to somebody like this. We're gonna go there in a fish or a boat. Which way do you wanna go? (laughs) And so I'm reminded that God's activity like a current is moving us in a particular direction. In fact, there, I won't even try to pronounce this theologian's name, but I love the quote, Hans Urs von Latzar. I don't know. It sounds like some character in a novel or something. But, but here's what he said. I think it's so key. The better a man learns to pray, the more deeply he finds that all his stammering is only an answer to God speaking to him. So what I mean in that is when I begin to pray, when I really begin to pray, I begin to realize that my stammering and my prayers are simply a response to God's activity. Like it's all about like what we talked in week one and two is alignment of my heart and saying, God, where are you moving? And how do I be a part of where you are moving? And not just in your personal life. See, again, I think this is where we get things kind of um, out of order, or, 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 or actually I would say it this way. Um, this is where we shrink our understanding of God's activity. Did you notice in the Lord's Prayer that we don't use me language? We use us language. Or if you have relatives from the South like I do, we use y'all language. <laughs> like, like it's corporate language. And so when we pray, we're not just praying for the activity, God, or um, to align our hearts to the activity, God, in our lives. We're praying uh, for us to align as the body of Christ with the activity of God, and not just in Pismo Beach, and not just in California, and not just in the United States, but around the world. And so when we lay out these prayer requests up here, some of those are personal intercessory prayers for people that we know. But as I've been praying through this, I see other ones. And some of those intercessory prayers are recognizing that we are a part of a global family where God is on the move and we get to intercede. We get to align with the current and activity of God that God is doing in the world. And so I wanted to give us a, a picture of this. And, and actually, when, when John and I talked many, many, many months ago, um, we didn't even know that we were going to be in this series. We just knew that we wanted John to come and share some of the testimonies of what God is doing around the world. Why? Because we want to align our hearts with the activity of God so we can begin to lean in and pray and say, God, we want to be a part of what you are doing. So I'm gonna ask John Moore to come, and he's gonna, he is a part of Global Missions for the Church of the Nazarene. and he, we, he's just going to spend some time this morning. Um, we're going to talk about what God is doing around the world and where you might be able to lean in in terms of your heartbeat and your prayer and, and begin to intercede for what God is doing. So would you guys I know he's already up here, but would you welcome John to the platform? <laughs> So first of all, John, um, we're family. That's the way that we describe ourselves. We are not a place to attend, but a family to belong to. And so you being here, you're a part of our family. So would you introduce your family to the New Life family a little bit?
4: I'd love to do that. And my family has been here before. You've met them before. But let me, I think we've got a picture. Do we have one here of them? Yes. There we go. So these are our kids. The first time we went to the mission field, our youngest was five months old, and they're all older now. We went to this area of the world, the Asia-Pacific region. There's 46 countries there. And we lived in Brisbane, Australia. Here's some of your Nazarene brothers and sisters down there. You probably <laughs> recognize them. And then uh, these are our six grandsons. And for a long time, we just had grandsons. And we were speaking about a year and a half ago at a convention. And when Vicky and I stood up on the platform to speak, a, a woman said to the people, don't you think they need a granddaughter and everybody said, "Well, yes, they need a granddaughter." So they laid hands on me and Vicky and prayed that one of our kids would have a girl. And guess what happened? <laughs> Ellie Mae was born. <laughs> so that's our family.
7: Awesome, awesome. So you know, we love um, we love that we have uh, in, like kingdom influence and that we get to have uh, see God's kingdom work here at New Life, and on the Central Coast. Um, but we're one of the things I love also is that we're a part of a bigger family. And the thing is, because so many of our people come from various backgrounds, um, they may not know as much about our bigger family in terms of the Church of the Nazarene. And so, can you give us kind of just a, a brief snapshot of who we are as the Church of Nazarene, who's this larger family, and, and where we're maybe located all over the world?
4: Absolutely. You When you think of the Church of the Nazarene, think of a family, a global family. There are very few uh, large denominations that have the connectedness. In fact, you could count them on two hands that are actually global, international churches that are connected. Where every day, thousands and thousands of emails, phone calls, Zoom meetings are connected, connecting us in the mission of Christ who sent us into the world. So that's, that's who we are. We've been doing this for 120 years in this connectedness. We're in more countries than McDonald's or, or Starbucks. Did you know that? So that's quite that's <laughs> that's an amazing. Good, yeah, good, give good. yourselves a hand. And Linda, I'm going to need your help because this is not going forward. So just let's, let's go to the next. So you, you are an amazing group. We're kind of small in terms of denominations, but you punch way beyond our weight. And you've grown rapidly around the world. So Linda's going to help me go to the next ones. We're this incredible mosaic of God's handiwork. Remember in Revelations where it says every tribe and language group will be Amen. there in the first worship service where Jesus takes the scroll, breaks the seal, and reads your name and, and hopefully mine. Uh, that's that's who we are, this wonderful creation of God. And then you're connected to As I mentioned, you're you're just one of a handful of these kinds of global churches. There are only five or six others. And you give more to missions per capita than any other denomination except for Christian Missionary Alliance, one of our sister churches. It's why, David, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, anybody ring a bell, Jesus Film. When his board of directors in the 70s looked for a global church to distribute the Jesus Film, you know who they selected? You. Yeah. And so you've been partnering with, you know, we call it Harvest Partners. Right. You bought these motorbikes, these helmets. With your missions giving, you support 920 of these teams right now. They go to where the gospel is not yet. That's one of the three things Global Missions does every day. We think about where is the gospel not being heard. Yeah. So you bought those helmets. Vicky, and I have seen those in crates. In other countries, still waiting to be distributed out there into the field. Mm-hmm. And then we go into villages like this. They had never heard the name of Jesus wow. before you went and showed them Luke's gospel story. And suddenly, at the, at the end of that film, there were 300 brand new followers of Christ. Now, what do you do with that? You've got a problem on your hands because <laughs> nobody knows Jesus. So what do you do? Well, you send a couple partners like this back in there. They go to villages every day of the week following up. And so that's why this has been the most effective tool of evangelism in the history of the church.
7: Amen. Amen. Well, you know, again, you've already kind of given some snapshots of this, but we've been talking about kind of this idea of Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we said this morning, we get to participate in that. We get to participate through our prayers, and sometimes we're included in our actions and things. But can you give us a picture of where we see the kingdom of God showing up? Because it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like a little kid. Uh, who is looking out there, uh, or I, I, I'll say it this way. Um, when we, uh, when my kids were, were young, I would do, like I would toss them up in the air, I would do something like that, and then they'd say this, Dad, do it again, Dad, do it again, right? And so as people who are looking for the kingdom of God, we get to kind of say the same thing. When we're looking for where God is on the move, we're like, all right, God, do it again. Do it again here, and do it again here. Where do we see God establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven around the world?
4: Well, man, we could spend the next year talking about that one, but let me just dive into it. Yeah. I love your description of the middle voice. Yes. Because God is already there. Yep. Missionaries don't Amen. go to create something. Yes. We go to see what the Father is already doing on his mission to redeem the world. Amen. And that changes the whole perspective of what our job is. That's good. So you have things like this hospitals And playgrounds. You're creating these through your missions giving. Yeah, yeah. You have clinics. You built this $3 million dam just to keep the electricity going in one of your hospitals in partnership with Australia. You've just entered Mongolia where you're looking at a class of 18 students. And we've got about 50 students in one of the most broken countries of the world where more than half the men are addicted to vodka. And you're there on the front lines. We just opened that two years ago and recognized by the government there. Libraries. There are all kinds of things uh, this is the most recent church plant by a nurse. Do you know any place in the world where a nurse is required to take 12 units of church planting and evangelism? That's how to love people and how to draw them into community. Wow. Your Nazarene church does that. In Not in all of our schools, but in Papua New Guinea they do. Yeah. And that's planted by a nurse. The most recent one we just planted. Amen. So I'm a missionary. The the middle voice. Yeah. I go into a village and I say, the kingdom of God is here. I've got great news. God loves you. It's good news. But if your children are dying before they're five, most of them, I mean, what would good news actually look like? Yeah. It'd actually be clean water. So I snapped that picture outside of your front door of a church in Washim, India. You guys have been to India many yeah. times. In fact, some of you went with us one of the times I was here and you went over there. It didn't turn out really well, to be honest with you, but that was on us. You know, we don't do things perfectly. We just try and follow the Spirit. And most of the time, I think we get it, but other times we don't. So you have created clean water wells all over the world by just... Here's another one. Yeah. This little girl is standing at one of your spigots. I watched her pick that big bucket up and walk down the main street of her, her town with, because you cared for her. She will grow up to be a teenager. Mm-hmm. So we make a difference. Jesus said, don't just love in word, love in deed. Yeah. Kids are one of our seven strategic values in the church of Nazarene. So you have these homes all over the world. And you've got this one in India. You guys have been there actually. This picture, Vicky and I were in Illinois just a few mm-hmm. months ago. And a young woman came up after a service like this, and she said, when you showed that picture in Pune, India, my heart leapt because I used to live there. I'm 13 now. She stood about this tall, uh, and she said, I'm enrolled in high school here. And then she in, in, introduced us to the couple next to her. She said, these are my parents, one of you. They came over there and adopted me, and I have a, I have a home now. Now, friends, we could duplicate that story thousands of times because of people like you who have either sponsored a child or adopted a child. We're doing that all, all over the world. So these child development centers, they're everywhere, all over. Awesome. Let's just flip through a couple real quick. And do you,
7: Yeah, no, go a ahead. Go more? ahead.
4: Yeah, so um, Ukraine. In Ukraine, the House of James. You know why they call it the House of James? James said pure religion is to do what? Love the... Yes. And so this guy in the black sweater, Sean, he saw these kids living under the ground in conduits. No adult supervision. No governmental care. They were stealing out of people's gardens in order to survive. He said, this has got to change. So he brought the kingdom of God that you talked about to earth by coming back to Tucson, Arizona. He wasn't even a Christian at the time. He went with his dad, who was. In the meantime, he got converted Married a Ukrainian woman, and now they live there. And they've created three of these homes. But you could go on and on with these stories. And a couple more, David, and I'll be done here. Yeah. But go back one, Linda. These homes, you, you hire a full-time person who oversees human trafficking efforts for the Church of Nazarene. She lives in Lenexa, Kansas. And, and we have several of these homes I've been there. In fact, I ran into a college student just the last month who said, I just spent a month here in this one in Cebu, Philippines, ground zero of human trafficking. Every day of the week, you are taking people off the streets to graduates like this next picture. I spoke in their commencement. There were 75 graduates. These are 32 who graduated with a degree... It was designed to help people get out of human trafficking Amen. and come to wholeness. That's what we do. We don't just love in word. Jesus said, do something about evil. And so that's what you guys have been doing. Amen. And I'll just, a couple more and then I'm done here. Yeah, so no, that's good. You've got 52 of these schools all over the world that are training students. Right down here, at Point Loma in San yep. Diego. You've been involved in Ukraine. We've, we've 13 million people displaced in Ukraine. Now think of that. I don't know how many people live in Pismo. We got 40 million in California, 39. Well, just think 30, 13 million people don't have homes. Well, you've been doing something about that. Yeah. Through the structure here, we have 34 fields in the world. That's why Bill Bright said, I want you guys, because you're structured like Acts chapter 6. They organize the church to do ministry. So here you have your two field directors, one over the former Soviet countries, yeah. the other over Central Europe. There's probably about 40, about 60, 60 countries. Those. Here's your district superintendent. You've got one here. Here's your pastor, and here's his people going in Moldova to the border, meeting the refugees. And your churches there are, here's the stuff that you're sending. When you give the missions in this church, you're buying this stuff. So you have sent crate after crate after crate to Ukraine, to Syria, to Turkey. Right now, you know, 60,000 people are dead Amen. in Turkey from that, and Syria from that wow. earthquake. You're wow. there in Aleppo and those countries turning our churches. Trino, the director there, he yeah. said all of our churches now are turned into refugee centers around the border of Ukraine. That's what we do. It's our DNA. Here's a home that receives mom, moms and girls and boys, kids, Their dads have to stay in Ukraine. What do you do? You buy a ticket for them. When you give a mission dollar, you're buying a ticket to put a kid on a train to go to a safe place until the war in Ukraine is over. And then you do trauma training. This happened last month, this picture of our people there working to help those who are receiving the refugees work through their trauma. Some of you are probably traumatized this morning from something. And you need somebody to listen. And somebody knows how to empathize and care. Amen. Well, that's what we, we think. What would Jesus actually, how would he act out in his kingdom? And that's, that's what we do. So I'm going to bump through. Let's, let's yeah, get no, through the rest good. of these. good. Yeah, yeah,
7: you can sc- uh, scroll through that. And, and, you know, sometimes it can feel like, these things that you're talking about, human trafficking and, and the war that's going on in Ukraine, can feel so overwhelming, right? Yeah. And yet we see how through the intercessory prayers of God's people, not just at New Life, but globally, that we get to join God in what he's doing around the world. So um, where have you seen God kind of move from, a, from, a, from what seemed like a prayer of intercession that was like, God, how in the world are you going to move in this particular area to the miraculous movement of God actually yeah. moving
4: yeah, well, let me just start with with my own life, and you know, David and I have already talked about this message. We we prayed about this. Mm-hmm. God, what do you want to say to your people? This is not a pitch. This is God's word for us. Amen. When I was fifteen, I was I was uh, I was a mess. Mm-hmm. My life was a mess. I was flunking out of school. I had no vision for my life, and I came into the kingdom. And I went to my college career counselor in my high school. I was a sophomore. And I said to him, I've come into the kingdom of Jesus over the weekend. I don't know what that means, but I feel this stirring. I need to, I need to minister cross-culturally. I couldn't even explain that at that time. And, he, and I said, they tell me if I'm going to be a minister like David here. We went to seminary, the yeah. same seminary, yeah. in fact, and graduate from the course of study, you've got to go to a college and then go to seminary, and then you might be ordained in the Church of Nazarene. And Mr. Bueller, I can see it like, I'm 71, I can see it like it was this morning. He leaned back in his desk, he hit it like this, and he pointed at me, and he actually laughed. He said, John, <laughs> you are not college material. I'm quoting him. And I said, I understand what you're saying. I'm not college material, but don't you get paid to help me become college material? So let's go. So they put me, I don't know what they call them here in Pismo, but they called it in my town here in Concord, California, up north here. They called it bonehead classes. Mm -hmm. I don't think we'd do that today, but I was a bonehead. And I was like 11 or 12 other. And this teacher named Red sat down alongside of me daily. And he took my F in algebra to an A in algebra. Mm. That's life transformation by the kingdom of God that comes Amen. through education. Amen. If Amen. you're a teacher, you are on the front Amen. line of ministry in the world. Don't ever look at a kid and say, they're going to be nothing. See what God Amen. can see in their Amen. life. Amen. Amen. You know, that's one of so my good. favorite quotes, I got to give it, okay? Yeah, that's good. Goethe, philosopher, theologian, poet, Back Germany years ago. He said, if I treat you as you are, that is what you will remain. Mm, if on. I treat you as you were what you could become, that is what you can become. That's the gospel.
7: Amen. Amen. And I
4: believe it with all my heart. And then six months after I became a follower of Christ, I met this woman. Mm. Straight A student. Didn't even <laughs> need four years of high school just zoomed right through and we just celebrated 51 years of marriage Come on. Uh, just amen. recently yeah
7: amen
4: so god's got a sense of humor you know yeah. so where do i see god at work in prayer here mm-hmm. if it doesn't work here if it doesn't work here it doesn't work anywhere amen yeah so i wake every morning and Vicky Vicky and I do we're so grateful for god's work in our lives amen you're looking at a picture here this is along the Paul border up in an area where pastors have died for just preaching the gospel. And I had the privilege of teaching them the first West Indian theology class. There's 62 pastors in this room. Wow. And the guy on the far left, you'll see him in this next picture, he was a witch doctor. And he came up to me between one of the sessions and he said, I've been a witch doctor all my life. And he said, a couple years ago, my, my son, 14 years of age, was dying and I couldn't heal him. I used my bones and my incantation, all that stuff. It wasn't working. He said, so I, on his deathbed, I called the Christians because I heard that their God could heal. And the Nazarenes came, laid hands on my 14-year-old son. And you know what God did? God healed his son. Amen. Come on. So now, yes, praise the Lord. So now you have a, he's in the course of study to become just like you and me, brother. Amen. We're going to have a witch doctor pastor in the (laughs) area of Nepal before you know it. And so answered a prayer. Now, my dad was a farmer. Look at this, look at this dad. Yeah. He's never made more than two or three dollars a day in his life. Yeah. And you paid for his son's three years of education through your kingdom missional giving. Yeah. And so he comes back home with his cap and gown. My dad was proud, proud of me because he, he, didn't, he didn't think I could go to college. <laughs> he said, John, are you sure you got this thing right? And I said, dad, Jesus in my life, man. He said, I'm going to be 100% behind you. So they got behind me. he was proud when I walked across that platform yeah. at Point Loma. Well, think of this dad yeah I look at that picture and I often will look at this in my own home and I just pray God thank you for my dad mm-hmm. and thank you for this dad and thank you for somebody who paid for this guy's education twenty to thirty dollars a week for twenty years or whatever it was Amen. yeah so there are Amen. all these answers to prayer I'll tell you one more and then I'm done yeah. this is this is a you've We have Buddhist, and I know we're streaming here. uh, And I want to, I want to respect other religions. I don't want to put other religions down. But there have been Buddhist pastors and and uh, Taoist people and priests of all all kinds of religions. Imams, I've worked alongside of them for weeks on end, and they've come to Christ and become Nazarene pastors. Well, let me tell you about a guy named Mo. He was a Buddhist. He Begged for his rice. He became a scholar. Hmm. He bumped into the writings of John Wesley. Does this strike a bell with anybody? Mm-hmm. John Wesley, yeah. kind of our tradition with Methodists. And I don't know if we're going forward here, but here's that's what he did. Well, he read all of Wesley's stuff. Okay, 24 volumes. Okay, and all of, everything he could. And he he said to his students, "I want you to be like John Wesley because he got the kids out of the chimneys. He built homes for pregnant girls. He did all kinds of stuff to read." Transform Britain, mm-hmm. and I want you to do this in my our country. I'm not going to name it because we're streaming. But anyway, so he he uh, he got all his students to follow John Wesley, Buddhist monks, and then he said, "I need to read what Wesley read as his core volume." So he got a Bible for two <laughs> years. He read it over and over again. No pastor, no preacher, no Christian friend, no church. Just the Bible. This book, Amen. and the Holy Spirit, Amen. and the Father who created every person with a God-shaped vacuum. That's why the millennials today are searching. They don't even know what they're searching for, but they're searching for God to fill their heart with purpose and meaning, just like I was when I was 15. So Mo, he reads the Bible, and finally he says, I realized that Jesus was actually God. So I got on my knees in my house, and I asked him to become my God. And then he said, I started looking for people who believed in Jesus. Guess who he found? You guys. In his country. (laughs) And so he said, hey, I want to be a part of this thing. Well, they recognized he was a sharp cookie. So they asked him to share his testimony in a group like this of a few hundred people in his country. And he said, I want to bring some of my students. He brought seven of his students with him. They were all in their robes. Mm -hmm. And he shared his testimony. There he is on the Wow. On the right, the second yeah. the second one over. And his name, uh, I'm not going to give his name. Yeah. And so he shared his testimony. At the end of his testimony, three of those priests came up and were baptized in that Nazarene service. And now they're enrolled in the course of study to become priests in the church of the Nazarene, or pastors. Amen. And that's that's the story. Then he studied 24 courses of study, just like you and I did. Yeah. And here he is being ordained by our general superintendent in his country. And here he is being laid hands on, and then here's his certificate. That's what we do. So answers to prayer, you bet, man. They are all over the place.
7: Amen. Can we just give God some glory this morning? Hallelujah. So down here, John, you notice that we've been uh, you know, talking about prayer and talking about intercessory prayers specifically, and you know, if you weren't able to be with us, um, kind of two definitions, one being that, hey, it's prayer for others, and then also kind of the, the David definition is dangerous prayers of love because they're dangerous prayers or rebellious prayers um, against the kingdoms of this world, and they're prayers of love because, quite honestly, when you enter into intercessory prayer, there are, there are tear-drenched prayer cards up here, right? It doesn't always necessarily happen right away, and and some of these are really difficult situations, and so is there an area that maybe we could lean into as a congregation to pray for our, um, our you know, uh, Christ followers, uh, brothers and sisters in the church of Nazarene all over the world? Is there yeah. some ways that we could lean into prayer?
4: There are. And I'm going to give you two, but I, I just, I'm looking at these cards. <laughs> I'm looking at these cards. Yeah. We pray, thy kingdom come. Yeah. Thy will be done over all these cars. Yeah. All around the world. We have a great, big God. Mm-hmm. Amen. I want to share two things with you. In dangerous places, we, we lose Nazarene. We lose Christian pastors just for preaching. Every week. One pastor recently, a, a field director, told me, that a pastor in, on his field, South Asia, was arrested every morning, Monday wow. morning. Kept in prison till Friday. They released him for the weekend because they didn't have enough guards over the weekend. They wanted to work. So the field director said to him, Pastor, aren't you stressed out? You've been going to jail for a year now. He said, stressed out? He said, I praise God. For the privilege, I get to go to jail and preach Monday through Friday, and then I get to go home, and I preach in my congregation and be with my family. Come on. Come on. And that's the kind of people we work with. Yeah. This young man helped me with my PowerPoint in an Asian country, and he was arrested. He served March to October in jail just for preaching. Wow. And then here's some pictures of the churches they're burning in his country. And I, I won't mention the country, but... Yeah. But God knows. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, when he Facebooked us, he said, don't worry about praying for our safety. Now, think of that. Mm. They're on. burning the churches down. I'd be afraid. He said, pray for our boldness wow. and courage. I don't deserve to even work alongside a young man like that. Yeah. He's a graduate of one of your seminaries. Yeah. And so pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing. I don't have pictures, but I'll just tell you. Russia and Ukraine. Those two countries have worked together like brother and sister for years in the church of Nazarene. We go back decades there. We have churches in Russia. We have churches in Ukraine. We have child development centers in Russia. When you pray, don't think badly about Russia. Don't think badly about Ukraine just pray for the kingdom of God to come. Thy will be done. Amen. Pray for peace to come to earth and leave leave the prayer at the altar of the one who can do that. We can't do yeah, it. Right. But the Russian pastors and our Ukrainian pastors need prayer because you can imagine the tension. They've worked in child, you know, youth yeah. camps, uh, college training, uh, educational programs. They've worked as partners in ministry to evangelize that part of the world we have underground churches there we have churches that are very visible there right. and there's been tension because there's two news sources and so they don't understand and just recently in fact it was it was this last week they had they ordained uh, some pastors from russia we brought them out of russia brought them to another country and some pastors from ukraine some pastors from armenia and you can get this on nazarene.org you can get the news um the, the, the unity, Trino, one of the directors I showed you earlier, mm-hmm. he, he shared, please pray for the unity. Remember what Jesus said in John 17? That they may be yeah. one. That my people, even in the midst of war, might be one people. My people. Mm-hmm. And so we can pray that way, Pastor David. Amen.
7: Amen. Well, we're gonna close our time today with with praying for you and for um, our global church because we are not just a part of this local congregation. We are part of what God is doing all over the world. And uh, John's gonna be out um, also on the patio and he is um, gonna be there. If you have uh, questions, if you wanna just uh, share with him, if you want some information about how you can maybe pray more specifically or be a part of what God is doing, you also have some prayer cards out there. Um, Yep, just like this. And uh, you can pick up one of those, place it somewhere uh, in your Bible, I, uh, you know, somewhere around your home, and just remember to pray for what God is doing around the world. So would you do me a favor, New Life family? Would you reach your hands out to John? And we're going to pray for him right now. I'm going to lay hands on him, and we're just going to pray for him and our missionaries and the work that's being done around the world. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, God, and we are thankful that, God, you invited us into your great commission. You invited us not just to um, see the world um, within a, a step or two of us, God. You invited us to go into all the world and to bring your good news and to bring the gospel. And that good news, yes, it's salvation through Christ Jesus, but it is also a cup of cold water and it's a it's a filled belly and it's rescue from human trafficking and exploitation and it's the healing and mending of of countries and people who maybe have um uh, you know seen each other um, as adversaries now seeing each other as brothers and sisters. And so God, we simply want to join in on what you are doing. We know that your desire is for the restoration of all things. And so God, we want to give people a glimpse of what the kingdom of God and what that restoration looks like. So God, we submit ourselves to you right now. God, we open up our hands and say, God, would you just place within our hands what you want us to do? Would you give us the marching orders? Would you give us the direction? Would you order our steps so that we can be a part of your kingdom coming to earth as it is in heaven? God, we lift up John and Vicky as they travel and as they they share and as they equip. God, they are simply just an extension of our family here. And so, God, when we send them, we are sending um, a part of our family to go into other areas where we will never go, where we will never travel, where we will never step foot, and yet your kingdom continues to expand. And so, God, we thank you for all that you have done, are doing, and will do in the future. And we ask these things in Jesus' powerful and mighty name, amen and amen. Again, can we celebrate what God?